Welcome to the Worthy Writer edition of the Write Something Worthy podcast. Each month, we bring you an informative interview that helps you live your best life as an authorpreneur. Here on the Worthy Writer edition, we take a deeper dive into authorship topics through conversations with notable writers and quality industry professionals. And now, your host, Tanya Brockett. Today, I want to introduce you to profit coach and best-selling author, Susie Carter. Susie started out as a low-paid hairdresser, trying to support her two little girls. So she decided to do whatever it took to create her own business. After much blood, sweat, and tears, she went on to create not one, but two $10 million companies. Her core genius is the ability to simplify complicated issues by creating simple proven systems that are guaranteed to create dramatic growth. In her latest book, Power Your Profits, which was voted one of the best books of 2020, Susie shares her predictable system for business success. She has helped over 100,000 entrepreneurs increase their revenues by more than 3,000%. It is my honor and joy to present our worthy writer guest today, Susie Carter. Susie, I am so glad to have you here at the Write Something Worthy podcast. Thank you for joining me today. You are welcome, and I'm so excited. Thank you for having me. You are a gift to me, and I appreciate you, and I appreciate what you do in the world, and I appreciate everyone like you in the world that can help talented people like us. I love when we can join forces together and make magic. Wonderful, and you are so right. We have been able to create some magic, and some of which I want to talk about today. So I'm really, um, I'm really excited to have you here. So one thing that I'd like to ask you about is, you know, in your bio, I, I share that you are, were once a, a hairdresser with the desire to create your own business. Can you tell us your story about becoming an entrepreneur? Well, I've been an entrepreneur my whole life. <laughs> when I think about it, I started being an entrepreneur at 10 years old. I grew up in a big family. I grew up with nine brothers and sisters, Bobby, Ronnie, Stevie, Terry, Joni, Shelley, Susie, Kelly, Debbie. And my dad was in the military. My mom was a seamstress. So there, we had no allowance. We didn't have, like, my, my dad's relationship with money is, if you want money, go get a job. So at 10, I would go to the neighbor's house. I would babysit. I would do their chores. I would clean their windows. I would do their yard work. I would clean their house. Anything that I could do to get a buck. So I've always been an entrepreneur. And I loved the fact of you did something, you got something, right? It was immediate self-gratification. The hardest part when I got a real job, my first job was Kentucky Fried Chicken, was I had to wait two weeks to get a paycheck. I was used to getting immediate gratification. I'm like, wait a minute. And then you had Uncle Sam taking money. It's like, wait a minute, who's taking my money? (laughs) So my entrepreneurial journey has always been there. And I tried to go to traditional college and I just, it just was not my thing. And so my aunt said to me, you be an amazing hairdresser. I'm like, okay. So I went to beauty school. It was really that simple. And when I was in cosmetology school, I fell in love. I fell in love with the industry. I fell in love with making people beautiful. I fell in love with how you could change a person's day by who you were being. 
And then I had to figure out how to make money because I thought once you got your license, you just went to a business and they would give you clients. That is not how it works. (laughs) Once again, you are an entrepreneur. So I had to figure out how to market. I had to figure out how to build a business. Um, In that time span, I got married. I got married young. He was beautiful. I thought my dad had said, you know, when you're 18, get a job, get a husband, get out. (laughs) So I did all that. I got a job. I got a husband. I got out. And I found myself early on, um, you know, divorced with two little kids. And that that became the check. I got to figure this money thing out. I got to figure this business thing out. So I would go to the bookstore, Tanya, and I would bring my kids to the bookstore with me. And I would sit there and like, okay, I got to figure out this marketing thing. And I'd sit there, okay, I'm going to do a referral campaign. And then I would I would sit there, use the book in the bookstore, write down notes, and then I would go to the used bookstore, find the same book to buy it because I couldn't afford the $20 for the book. But I'd go to the used book, get it for a quarter, right? But I, we, we lived in the bookstore. My kids loved to read because I was just had to figure this business thing out. And so my early coaches were books, right? They were, they were the words on the pages. They were... I, I I fell in love with learning. I fell in love with, you know, figuring out this thing called business. And so I quickly made it to $100,000 a year. And then I said, well, how far could I bring this? So I was doing a quarter of a million dollars a year as a hairdresser working three days a week. Now, to give you some kind of sense of that, the average hairdresser back then was making $30,000 a year. And this is in 1995. And I was making a quarter of a million dollars a year. And Paul Mitchell found me and they said, what, how are you doing this? I'm like, I read these books, <laughs> right? I was just in hustle mode of like, I don't have a choice. That's why, that's how I do it. I got to make some money to pay my bills to take care of my children. Um, and then I started just doing these cluster classes to help the industry. And it's, it all kind of birthed from there. But birth from the hunger to learn, the hunger to figure it out, the hunger to make this business work, right? I remember my husband, because he's my husband now, girl. He would say, go get a real job. You're, you're not making any money at this job. I'm like, I, I do have a real job. This is a real job. I just haven't figured it out yet. <laughs> I bet a lot of entrepreneurs have that same uh, experience where it's like, you know, when are you going to get something that's just like stable paycheck stock? Um, exactly. And I think people that aren't entrepreneurs don't get it, right? Because they want some paycheck. I like, you know, think back in Kentucky for a chicken. I was so disappointed I had to wait two weeks for a paycheck. Like, well, I'd already did the work. I should be paid daily. <laughs> and I think that's what I loved about being a hairdresser. You got paid every day, you got tips every day, right? You had cash flow every day. I got in a lot of trouble with that too, but the, I love that experience of if I don't do anything, I don't get anything. Right. Even now running a multi-million dollar company, if you don't do anything, you don't get anything. Right. It's it keeps me driving to the next goal. It keeps me hungry. It keeps me focused. It keeps me passionate on what's new, what's new and what's next. Wow. And it's it's just amazing how far you have come. When I think about, first of all, the fact that you're already making a quarter of a million as a salon owner three days a week. Oh, no, I didn't own a salon then. I didn't own a salon then. That was just me as a hairdresser. Oh, my goodness. All right. So, so that's as a salon owner, 
Yeah, we didn't open the salon until 1996. So from 1982 to 1985, I was just a hairdresser, right? And not just a hairdresser, but I was a solo hairdresser in a salon and spa. And then I opened my first salon and spa. It was probably 1996. And we built that to a million dollars. We're the top 1% in the industry and the top 10% of the world. And what I did, Tanya, was just teach my team what I was doing as a hairdresser, right? Because when I started working for Paul Mitchell, they wanted me to teach other people what I was doing. And I didn't know, right? I I didn't come into this industry and go, oh, I'm going to build this training company. I'm going to be this speaker. I didn't know how to speak. I didn't want to speak. I just knew that I wanted to help my industry. And so I had to really... Um, you know, work backwards to go, well, how do I get someone to spend that kind of money? What do I say? What do I do? And I dissected it, right? It's they, now the sexy word is called reverse engineer. Well, I didn't know that. I was just like, what do I say that has them say yes, right? Part of it's building rapport. 15% of anybody's financial success is based on their activity. How everyone listening to this, if you're a writer, if you're an author, if you're a speaker, if you're a coach, only 15% of your success is that. The other 85% is what I sat on the floor in the bookstore doing sales, marketing, operations, finance, right? Just writing, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? What do I do? Right? I didn't hire my first coach until, you know, the early 90s. I didn't, you know, I didn't have the resources. And in the early 90s, I hired this woman. It literally, Tanya, was either hire this woman for $1,500 or pay my rent for $1,500. But I knew in my soul I didn't have the information to go to that next level, right? And I knew I had to do this. I needed what she had in her head. I couldn't get it from a book, right? I had taken it as far as I could. And so I paid her, and then that changed the game. Right. Changed the game on how I looked at business, changed the game on how I looked at pricing, because she said, you are too cheap. Right. She was the first person that had me look at pricing where my pricing before was, well, what does Tanya charge? Well, what is this one charge? What is that person charge? What is this person charge? And then I created my pricing, you know, so she really taught me, no, we have to look at our overhead and our goals and our profitability and all that goes into pricing. I was like, huh. I wonder if anybody else knows this because it was a news flash to me. <laughs> right. And it is often. You see a lot of uh, entrepreneurs doing their business planning, if they actually do their business planning, looking around and comparing prices with other people and say, okay, I want to be in the middle here or I want to be on the right. low end. But they're not looking at what does it take to generate what I need to get where I'm trying to go. So I love your systematic approach to doing that. And you help a lot of people now with that kind of system development and um, analysis of their business to see what it is that they want to get out of it, right? Yes. So can you tell me, I, I love the story of the first book that you wrote, The Passion can you tell us about that? Oh, it is just a Oh, I laugh. Story. I laugh because I needed a Tanya back in the day. I didn't know Tanya existed, right? So, <laughs> yeah. So when I was working with Paul Mitchell, um, my student would say, oh, my gosh, Susie, you need to write a book. I'm like, no, 
I'm a hairdresser. I don't know how to write a book. I got a C in English. Mm-mm, no. <laughs> and they're like, if you write a book, we will buy it. I'm like, I'm going to be a millionaire. <laughs> <laughs> and so I found a ghostwriter who helped me write the book. It took me almost three years to write the book because I was scared. I was resistant. I didn't know. I was busy running my business. And I remember the day it was published, I had self-published it. Um, I bought a course that, of course, I bought a course on how do you self-publish a book? Because the original publisher in the industry denied me and said, we don't need another business book. I'm like, fine, I will open my own publishing company. So we launched our own publishing company. I ordered 2,000 books, not knowing at that time the average publisher, uh, the average author only sold 2,000 books in the lifetime of the book. I didn't know that. I was just like, oh, I'm going to sell these 2,000 books. And so, and I had them shipped to my home, Tanya. So a big truck came that day and dropped off 2,000 books in my driveway. And Tanya, that was the first moment that I said, oh no, I have to sell these, right? 2,000 was so obsolete, but when you see them in your driveway, they didn't put them in the garage. I had to, we had to hand carry every single box and stack them into the garage. And I'm like, this is crazy. I started bawling right then and there, not knowing what I got into. And the first event that I went to was in San Francisco. I remember the day, it was a beautiful day, crisp day. We're speaking on Fisherman's Wharf. It was at the convention center there. And I spoke and there was probably 300 people in the audience and I was just selling the book because I wrote the book. I, I, again, I didn't know anything about leveraging a book or how do you make money at a book? I didn't know any of that. So literally 200 people stood up, 200 people went to buy my book. I felt like I had arrived, Tanya. I felt like a superstar in a movie star. I'm signing books. This next man gets on stage. I thought I was a much better speaker and he was selling this package for $2,000. And my limiting mindset, my money conversation, my story about what people would spend, I'm like, nobody is going to spend $2,000 on, they just can't afford it, right? So, you know, if I look at, I I made, right, I made, let's see, what did I make? I made $4,000 that day, which I was ecstatic that I made $4,000 that day with my 200 bucks. He gets up, he sells his $2,000 product. And I'm in my head, like, nobody's going to buy that, right? I guess I had never spent that. I was going to the bookstore and then going to the used bookstore and getting it for 25 cents, right? I just, I wasn't in that prosperity mindset yet. And so literally, Tanya, I watched these 200 people leave my line and go over to his line. And he made $399,000 that day. And I went, oh, I need some more expensive stuff. And that was what a great lesson. I felt like I got mollywopped and punched in the face and punched in the stomach, but it was the best lesson. One in judging, right? I was judging Judgerson, just being snotty. And then two, God said, oh, you want to judge? He's going to flick me in the head and showed me my greatest lesson. And I literally went home and created a companion course. And then just, you know, we wrote 10 books and manuals and um, CDs and DVDs and you know, so we, it just created this whole training and development company on accident, right? It wasn't, I didn't sit down with a business plan and go, I'm going to, you know, be an icon in this industry. I just wanted to help my industry, right? Now there's people like you, there's people like me to go, let's figure out how to monetize this. Let's grow this. Let's make this happen. 
But back in the day, it, you know, we didn't, there was no internet. There was, I couldn't Google, you know, somebody like Tanya to help us write a book because Tanya helped me write my 10th book, which is Power Your Profits. And, you know, she's my writing partner and makes my work seem because I got to tell you, I don't know. Everything is an explanation point. <laughs> and I don't know where the seven point is. Because I'm so excited about everything that I say. It's like, okay, not everything's an explanation point. Yes, yes, it is. It's all exciting. <laughs> uh, that's why you're such a joy to talk to, because there, that energy is always coming out. So I see exclamation <laughs> points, even though they should be periods here and there. But yes, that's awesome. That's awesome. That's such a fun story and so important, too, because there are authors now who... Some of them just want to get this message out, right? They just want to make an impact in the world. They want people to benefit from it and so forth. But what even they don't realize is that they can make an even greater impact if the book is just part of what they offer to the world. Leveraging the book is what helps you to not only make more money, if that's a part of the program, but also helps you to make a greater impact in the world. And you've been able to do that with your Power Your Profits book. Can you share with us some ways that you were able to leverage this book to do so much more in your current business? Well, the, the hard lesson that I learned about a book, whether it's fiction or nonfiction, is a book is an expensive business card. There has to be other ways to make money versus a book, unless you have a big agency behind you, a big marketing big team behind you, and and you're, you know, like I'm trying to think who are the great authors, you know, in the world right now that have big, you know, multi-million dollar publishing deals. The average author right? We have to really look at how do we leverage that. And I have 10 books. So when I say average, I'm really talking about people that this is my career. Writing is one revenue stream in my career. Now, I have not made um, hundreds of thousands of dollars on the book, but I've made millions because of the book. And that's a powerful distinction. My company has made millions of dollars because that book is a lead generator. That book is a um, credibility builder. That book allows people to get to know me before they invest in my bigger programs. So Power Your Profit is all about building a seven-figure business. And so the book is $20. My companion product is $2,000, $1,997. So the book, you buy it for 20 and you go on your own. The companion product is a video course. It's all online. Again, it's a self-study. Then we have our boot camp, which is three chapters of the book. More contact with me, more intimacy, the higher the price goes. And that's a three-month program. It walks them through their business plan, their marketing plan, and their financial plan. And that's $8,700. The third program, is that three or the fourth program I have is our global leadership program. That's $35,000. Same content. Tanya, as a book, except for now you have more contact with me, more intimacy with me. You have coaches working with you. We walk you through the book systematically to grow a seven-figure business. So again, I've not made millions because I sold the book. I've made millions from the book. 
So I want you to know that anything's possible, but it has to be strategic. You can't just go, oh, I'm going to write a book. Most publishers, if you want a publisher, you've got to have a solid marketing plan or they're not going to publish the book. A publisher is an expensive lending house. Let me say that again. A publisher is an expensive lending house. All they're doing is lending you the money up front to publish the book, get the book completed. You still, I don't care how big of the publisher, my publisher, Simon & Schuster, I still am responsible for 90% of the marketing efforts. 90%. I just want to say, like, that was, you know, I felt like the day that I realized that, uh, I helped a client get a seven-figure book deal. And the day that I realized it was still up to us to do all the marketing, all the strategy, even though we got a seven-figure deal from them, they expected us to do it all. It was like, oh, there's no Santa Claus. This is all strategy. And we hit New York Times because of strategy. We hit Wall Street Journal because of strategy. So don't just think once you write it, you're done. Now a different kind of work gets done. It's still a big lift. It's all a big lift. It's like, how am I monetizing that lift? Absolutely. That's an important message. Yes. And, you know, we've shared that message on Write Something Worthy several times, trying to help people to understand that you are your best marketing tool for your book. And you have to expect that you've got to put it out there. You've got to make the effort. You have to generate the sales. You have to plan how it's going to happen. You can't expect it to just, oh, I wrote the book, so now let the money start rolling in. That's <laughs> that was my first, that was me. I'm going to be famous now. Uh, no. <laughs> it's like selling those first 2,000 books, it was like, oh, my gosh, what, what did I get myself into? <laughs> but what a good learning lesson, right? I, you know, and mm-hmm. I am the businesswoman I am today because I had those hard lessons, right? And I had to figure it out myself. Find the coaches that you need, right? My first coaches were books. And then from the book, then I sought out the people. And then once you seek out the people, seek out the education, you're going to, you're going to learn the lesson one way or another. You're going to le- learn the hard way and the long way, or you're going to invest in your education to get the result that you need. Benjamin Franklin said, take the coins from your purse, invest them in your mind, and your mind will fill your purse overflowing. So I've always been a lifelong learner. I've always invested in my education. And I think I know where we, especially anyone listening to this podcast, you know that. But what's the education you need right now to take your business, to take your career, to take your vocation to that next level? Don't just fall on what you're really good at. Stretch yourself, grow, transform yourself to get that different result that you want. Wow. Wow. Yes. And what's wonderful is that not only have you learned that lesson about investing in yourself so that you can grow and prosper, you make that possible for other people. Um, Your programs and services, the coaching that you offer has helped so many people to reach heights they never imagined before. And don't you have something coming up, another program on um, how other people can do that, like how they can grow their businesses to another level? 
We always have something coming up, right? Because I'm a big, I'm a big believer in try try before you buy, right? So we have free masterclasses every month. What's coming up right now is we have a challenge. I'm going to challenge people to make money. I'm going to challenge people to put infrastructure in place. And that starts on next Monday, September 20th. But don't worry if you missed that one. If you're listening to this later, we have them all the time. Go to our our webpage, which is my name, Susie Carter, C-A-R-D-E-R.com. Um, all social media, the same thing, my name, Susie Carter. I make it really easy for you to find us. And so yeah. come, come visit us, come see us, come really learn what we have to offer. You can, it doesn't have to be hard to grow a business. It has to be strategic. You have to have the right team in the place, the right systems in the place, and it can't all rely on you. And as leaders, that's hard because I'm, I don't know about you, Tanya, but I'm a little bit of a control freak. I think I have to do it all and be it all. And what I've learned in 30 years of being, being a multi-million dollar business, I've built 10 multi-million dollar companies, two $10 million companies, is it really is the team and the infrastructure you put in place that makes the difference. And you are the queen of systems. You really <laughs> help people to develop those systems that really make things work. And if you think about it, you know, as entrepreneurs, when we're starting out, we may be the only ones uh, in the company and we have to grow it and so forth and so on. Oftentimes, we feel like we have to do everything. But if we built systems in place, then those systems can help us to do those things and to help us to scale and grow. Is that right? Yes. Right. Systems allow you the freedom to build a company. Right. That was a hard lesson for me because I was always trying to make people be me. And there's only one Susie. There's only one Tanya. So how do we allow people to uniquely be themselves, but still have your fingerprint? And that's putting structure in place so that you're managing the system you're not managing people's behavior, right? People are emotional, right? Especially now when we look at what's happening in our world today, how do you produce results, you know, in a chaotic environment? And being an entrepreneur is a chaotic environment. So I want to support people in really finding their purpose, their path, and their profitability. Mm. Now, profitability that's not just something that happens as a result of implementing your systems, right? There, there's a plan involved with that. Oh, girl, profit is planned for, for sure, right? I Years, I had a million-dollar company and not had any money left over. That's not profitable, right? And I'm like, well, I'm doing a million dollars. I'm successful. No, you own a big, fat job is what you own. Profitability doesn't come from one thing. It comes from all things. So when I look at profitability as planned for, and when we look at in my book, I talk about really determining your base price, right? Because you have a base price on page 257. I show you how do you set your prices so that you have profit in price. Look, I took an entrepreneur class in college. That was the one class that I took and I did like it. But they weren't teaching pricing. They were teaching theory and theory doesn't pay the bills. (laughs) So what I love about the way that I teach is I'm just telling you what I had to learn the hard way that nobody was telling us. Right. Each chapter is laid out to build a seven figure business. And look, if you hate money, 
go directly to chapter eight to Math is Money and Money is Fun. Because again, I give you, that's on page 243, the here's how you're going to price your services. Here's how you put your financial projections. I talk about math is money and money is fun. Nobody likes to do the math, but everybody loves the money. So let's figure out how to do this. Let's figure out how to make money. If you suck at sales, go right to the sales chapter. Don't You don't have to read it, is it chronologically, right? We, you can bounce around to whatever it is that you need. So on page 199 is my sales script, you guys, that I close $100,000 clients with. If that's not worth the price of admission, a $20 book, and I'm going to teach you how to close $100,000 clients, and you don't have to close $100,000 clients, you can close less or more, but it works on every price point. It's the same script I used selling a $300 service in the salon. So systems work. I've been building companies for 30 years on systems, on the process and procedures. Sometimes people go, systems, is that like IT? No, not IT. What's the process you're doing to get the result you desire? And part of doing that, seeing that process in place and putting it into place allows you then to see what works and what doesn't, right? Then you can do some tweaking and changing to make adjustments as you go along. Yeah, you can see what's broken in the system versus trying to manage people's behavior, right? And even when I'm correcting people, it's what about the system don't you understand? And so then you're not correcting people's behavior or personality. It's like, oh, we have this system called project management. What about that are you forgetting to do to update so I can do my job? Because if they don't do their job, I can't do my job. And then it's chaos. So I don't want my team to create chaos for me. I want everything to be smooth. And the bigger you play, Tanya, the bigger the breakdown. And if you don't have structure in place, then you're just putting out fires. If you own a business, starting a business, and you're just firefighting all day, I guarantee you, you don't have structure in place. The more systematic that you can be, the less chaos you have the more breathing room you have, the more ease and grace you can go through the day, the more energy you have at the end of the day. You're not having to have cocktails or nachos, right? Because you have like, ah, I have peace of mind. (laughs) Wow. You know, one thing that I found very interesting in your book was an example of your amazing ability to just see the money. You can look at someone's business, their financials, their systems that they have in place, and you can identify so quickly where they can improve and where they can, you know, grow their businesses or their profitability. It's just amazing how you're able to do that so quickly. Yeah, there's money everywhere. There's money everywhere. So I, I want you to write that down. If you're listening to this podcast and that's the only thing you get, Money is all around you. You have money sitting on the table, right? You're just not seeing it as opportunity. You're seeing like, oh, I got to follow up as a pain in the butt. No, follow up is money. How much money? I have to $5 million on the table right now. So I'm following up. They haven't said yes yet, but I'm following up, right? It it gets me excited to go, this is what's possible. So don't look at, oh, I got to have a sales call. No, think about what the opportunity is, the opportunity in the financial prosperity, the opportunity in how you can share your message and your word, because nothing happens unless we sail, 
right? And your busyness is getting in the way of your business. Let me say that again. Your busyness is getting in the way of your business. So I want you to look at where's the opportunity and where's the money and how are you tracking that? Are you forgetting about it? I know sometimes I can get busy being busy and I forget what I have in my lead pipeline. If I didn't use a software called PipeDrive, I would forget too because I'm busy on to the next thing. So again, that's that structure we have to have in place in order to grow our businesses and to grow our wealth. And wealth is a strategy. They're not to top by our parents unless your parents are wealthy and that's part of their belief system. But 90% of the people that I come in contact with, we, none of us were taught this. I had to learn it myself. I had to make it up. I had to just believe that anything was possible. And then from believing anything is possible, I became a student and I became hungry for the information, hungry for the knowledge of how do the wealthy get wealthier and the poor get poorer? Because the poor are not looking at wealth strategy. They're living for today, right? They're not living for today. We're saving for tomorrow. We're looking at if I make 100,000, I'm saving 25% of that, right? But not most people, most people like, oh, I spend 100, if I make 100,000, I'm spending 150,000. Well, you will never be wealthy, right? Making money isn't wealthy, right? Because if you're making 100 grand, you're spending 150, you're broke. You're just as poor as the guy on the street corner. You have cash flow and you're in denial. And so I, I was a spender too. I'm not sitting on my, my high horse. I was spending as much money as I made and realized it wasn't until the universe gave me a couple cosmic boots. I was in a horrific car accident. And at that time, I was a hairdresser. A big dually truck ran over me. And I broke my leg, broke my rib. Um, my body was bruised. I, I couldn't work. I physically, I was in so much pain, I could not work. But I had to go to work because I didn't have savings. I was making amazing money, but I was spending more than I was making. And so literally, Tanya, I had to get up, get dressed, put my cast on, you know, because it was that cast you velcro on now put my cast on go into the salon and cut hair it was excruciating and i had a, this haircutting chair i remember sitting there going there's got to be a different way well how do i not have savings and make two hundred fifty thousand dollars a year this doesn't make sense to me for myself like i had to have that own epiphany but i grew up poor so i i was in in self-gratification so when you grow up with no money, you off-center that by buying things and filling the void and getting keeping up the Joneses. I don't know who these Jones are, but I don't like them. Because <laughs> I was keeping up with them. I was trying to, which is, it doesn't matter where you get financially, there's always somebody that makes more money. And that's what I've learned the hard way. Is every now and then I'll go to my girlfriend's house and I get house envy. And I have a beautiful home. It's like living on vacation where I live. And I get a house envy and I'm like, do not. This house is almost paid for. Do not. I need a house like this. No, you do not. Your house is beautiful. It's one person in a house. You've got almost 4,000 square feet. You're fine. You don't need an 8,000 square foot home. So it's you got to coach yourself, right? And you got to have someone willing to coach you and someone willing to tell you what you don't want to hear and willing to show you what you don't want to see so you could be the person you knew that you could be. Mm. Yeah. So you Chief. you truly believe that a coach makes a positive difference in someone's life, both business and personal. 
I believe a coach, I believe education, right? Again, when I was young and, and trying to figure it out, my coaches were my books, right? I would go to the library and go to the bookstore and those were my coaches, right? Education are my coaches, some amazing mentors that I've never met, but I follow them. I'm students of them. Still, I have people in my life that are playing 10 times bigger than I am to help me through where I can call them and go, oh my gosh, you know, you were my coach for two years on this book writing project and told me I couldn't have explanation points everywhere and (laughs) how to weave my stories into this dry book that I had written. The manuscript I gave Tanya was so dry (laughs) and boring. (laughs) She she will come alive and you did by your coaching, right? You You pulled it out of me you know, you put it grammatically correct, right? We work together on this project, which that's why I'm an advocate of hire the people that help you get to that next level, that help you thrive to that next level. Like Tanya was always grace and gracious in having me see like, well, the book I gave her was three books. So that that was coaching. She said, it's like, you're cute. This is three books. We're going to write one book. And we're going to spice it up because you are spicy. (laughs) So we spiced it up, right? And she poured that out, pulled it out of me and made it sing in a way that I couldn't make it sing, right? So I want you to look at your gift that you have is somebody else's pain. So I'm really good at business and business tactic. Um, I wasn't good at how do I have it so everybody wants to read it? How do I tell it in a story? That wasn't my gift. My gift was do this, get this, do this. Very analytical. Do this, get this. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think it's finding those people that can truly help monetize your gifts and their gift is something that you don't have. It doesn't mean I thought you used to believe, Tanya, that if I needed you, I was somehow a failure. Right. I should be able to do it all, be it all. And I've learned that, no, when I need other experts, it's mean I'm utilizing the talent around me because I can hire Tanya and then I can go do what I do, which is serve clients, sell clients, enroll them in another program so that I can pay Tanya. So then now I can work 10 times more efficient than me trying to painstakingly write a book, right? I gave her the manuscript and the manuscript was clean, but it just was boring. Why do I want a boring book? Right. I wanted a book that was a bestseller. I wanted a book that really made a difference in the world. I wanted a book that was had my fingerprint and had my personality because I'm very fun. I'm very I got great stories. I just didn't know how to do that in a book. Uh, I can do it speaking. I can do it on stage. And and that was one of the gifts that you said to me. It's like, you're hilarious. Let's put that in there. I'm like, it's not in there. You're like, no. (laughs) I'm like, oh, okay. (laughs) So I think a really good code really good educator brings that out in you. And that's what I do for my clients. I just show them the money because it's so fun for me. I'm like, oh my God, here's a million dollars. Oh my God, here's $200,000. Oh my gosh, look, we can do this. And they're still, their vocation, their 15% is needed. I'm just on sales, marketing, operations, and finance and monetizing. Yes. That is that amazing talent that you have. Being able to show them the money is just absolutely phenomenal. And you know what's so wonderful? I mean, here you shared how reading books uh, was your way of of learning and growing. And they, the authors of those books were your mentors. 
now you get to be the same. Your book is like one of the best books of the of of the past year in nonfiction. And now other people get the benefit of getting power your profits so that they can grow, they can learn, and they can follow you and have you as their mentor to help them to become profitable, successful, and have a good time with their business. Right. Have fun. And that's what, you know, business is fun. It truly is an opportunity of self-expression to be able to make an impact in the world. I believe that my gift from God is my life. My gift back to God is what do I do with my life, right? Each of us have a calling. Each of us have a purpose. What is your purpose, right? Get it on paper. It builds your credibility. A book, you know, gives us credibility in a way that, you know, a degree can't. Right. It's still and you probably know this stat better than I do. What percentage of authors become published authors? Isn't it like one percent? Yeah, it is. And and when you think about how many people want to write a book and actually get it done, um, you know, 80 percent of people actually say they want to write a book and only five percent actually do. But whether or not they do anything with it is a whole nother story that. You know, you shared with us earlier, you can write a book all you want to, but there's marketing that has to happen. There's a business behind it that needs to happen in order for anybody to see it. You're going to make your impact. And you don't want to do what I did with my first book, write a book and think that's all there is to it. That was a hard lesson. That was very humbling to go, oh, nobody told me this part, right? Even in the book that I read, it was Dan Pointer's book, The Self-Publisher's Manual. Oh, yes. How do you market it? How do you sell it? I, I don't I don't know. I thought they were sprinkle fairy dust and someone's going to make that happen for me. <laughs> That's right. Oh, that is not what happens. <laughs> and that is true for a lot of authors out there who come thinking, oh, well, I just want to, you know, do this. And I expect this is going to sell a million copies and I'm going to be on Oprah and I'm going to do this, that and the other. All of those things are possible. All of those things may happen, but not by just writing the book and then sitting back and watching. Not how it's going to happen. Right. They all happen with strategy. It all comes from strategy. It doesn't have to be hard. It has to be strategic. And that's my message. Write your book. Write multiple books, but let's put the strategy behind it so you don't have 2,000 books sitting in your garage. Right? Because that's what happens with... Well, most of you aren't silly enough to order 2000 like I was. I thought that would be easy, right? <laughs> I moved it from my house to a warehouse, right? Just to go, uh, we did sell them, right? It became a bestseller in that industry. Um, but it took me years to figure that out. Right? I didn't have a mentor to go, oh, don't do that, do this, right? We didn't have podcasts back then. We didn't have the internet back then. I know I'm aging myself now, but <laughs> we didn't have Google back then. So you couldn't Google, how do I launch a book, right? If you didn't know somebody, you were just stuck. <laughs> That's right. I remember those days. I, I have to admit, uh, I used to actually teach courses on how to profit from the information superhighway. I mean, that's how old yeah. I am with the Internet. But We're seasoned. Um, we're seasoned. We're not old. And we're spicy. There you go. That's it. We're seasoned. <laughs> that is right. <laughs> wow. It is so exciting to have you here uh, to talk about uh, just business success itself. One of the things that I find interesting and a lot of the clients that I see coming in with their books and 
they don't understand that there's a revenue component to it. There's a business side of being an author that, you know, if you're using a tool to generate revenue for yourself, you've now gotten yourself into business, whether you realize it or not. So now you become an authorpreneur with your book. May as well leverage it, yes. right? Exactly. Let's make some money with it. And again, I've made millions because of that book, not from the book, right? The book, I think at this point, we've sold about uh, 10,000 copies. So we're still climbing the leaderboard in our book sales, right? So we get right now anywhere from two to 10 books a day from our marketing strategies, which to me is just lead generation, right? It's a, a very sexy lead generation. And so because I'm those leads in, then I'm monetizing that. So there's money all around you. I want to say it again. There's money all around you. You just learn, have to learn how to monetize it. Beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that with our authors today. Here at Write Something Worthy, we want quality nonfiction books to be coming out of our listeners, and we want them to have the most success possible and sharing their message with the world and making a positive impact. And you certainly do that with Power Your Profits. You do that with everything at suzycarter.com. And is there a specific place where you would like our listeners to go to to either learn more about your Power Your Profits book or your programs in general? Yeah, go to uh, poweryourprofitsbook.com. And when you go, when you buy the book there versus Amazon or Barnes and Noble, we'll give you a bunch of bonuses. So we give you about $4,000 worth of bonuses. We invite you to our masterclass. So we give a ton of free education because I want you to be in business for yourself, not by yourself. So go to poweryourprofitsbook.com and let us help you grow and monetize that book. Awesome. We will make sure that those links are in the show notes as well so that everyone will have access to it from this episode. Well, Susie, I am so grateful to have had you here today. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and your energy and your excitement and your knowledge because, you know, I have followed you for years and I know what a positive impact you make on the world, not only on the entrepreneurs who can grow businesses that are multi-million dollars, but also just that that confidence and um, that personal gratification that they gain from being able to be successful in the ways that you show them. So thank you so much for sharing that with us at Write Something Worthy today. Thank you. And thank you for being my partner in this journey. Thank you for the gift that you gave me. Thank you for always being a stand for people to understand the full business of being an author. And thank you for being a leader in the community. I love you. I adore you. You're my soul sister, right? How, how often do you get to say you love your clients, right? So I appreciate you and all the work that you're doing in the world. Thank you so much. And with that, we are complete. To our worthy tribe, please visit the show notes for links to show mentions, access to Susie's book, Power Your Profits, access to her free challenges, an incredible program at suzycarter.com, and much more. Also, be sure to subscribe to the Write Something Worthy podcast 
on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen, including writesomethingworthy.com. If you need help subscribing, watch the quick tutorial video we have on the podcast website. If you have any questions for Susie or have something you would like to add to the conversation, please email us at podcast at writesomethingworthy.com. We look forward to hearing from you. Have an awesome week, and we'll see you next time on the Write Something Worthy podcast.